Kelly. Thanks for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm pretty good, Biz. Thanks for having me. That was a uh, that was a pretty good intro we just heard there. If I uh, if I wanted to like find that person who who made that music, how would I do that? Well, you'd only have to go as far as looking in the mirror. Hey, <laughs> it's me. Hello, and welcome to Becoming Less, a podcast about my journey to less waste, less consumption, less impact, less clutter, and less stress. That was Kelly Henry, a musician and a teacher and a music teacher. She has given me singing lessons, and I must say I have improved, which is a testament to her teaching skills, but still not all that impressive. I think I'll stick to singing in my sewing room and trying to save the world from being consumed with garbage. I'm your host, Biz, and today I get Kelly's views on waste in the school system. We also talk about the effects of COVID restrictions on things like the farmer's markets and balancing social media for the sake of our mental health. So here's my good friend, Kelly. I'm a big liberal snowflake. Instagram is much nicer to the liberal snowflakes than Twitter is. But, you know, when you are like a politically minded person, you get real charged up. Like if there's stuff that happens in the environment in Alberta, I just go to Twitter and I'm like, yeah. Environmental posts on Instagram already get my blood boiling enough as it is. (laughs) I'm starting to become the crazy person at work. And we just opened the store open today for the first time to the public since we shut down. Did you have like a Walmart size lineup? No, but I have never washed my hands so many times in a single day. And I'm very glad that the mask I made for myself was comfortable enough to wear as much as I did. But my coworker uh, saw that I was kind of like, oh God, I need to wash my hands. I touched money. And she came up and she tried to stick rubber gloves in my pocket. And I was like, no, get those things away from me. Get them away. Nice, nice. I'm just gonna wash my hands. It's fine. I don't want your nasty plastic glove. Go away. <laughs> there was a week, um, kind of before my husband and I went into quarantine. Um, and and for listeners who don't know, I'm a teacher and a musician. So, uh, there was a week when like things were starting to get serious, and we were like talking about with the kids and especially like grade fours and grade fives who are just like figuring out opinions on the world. I'm a music teacher, but we had a lesson on washing hands in music and how masks work in music. And then like a week later, schools got shut down. So I had a week of like really intense hand washing. And thankfully there was like a, uh, there's a gender neutral bathroom right outside my classroom. So I can just pop over there, wash my hands and then like pop back. But even like going into the staff room and trying to have lunch with people and especially like, I don't know, elementary kids are really physically affectionate, right? Like they need that as part of their development. And, you know, I've spent the whole year training my students to like ask for hugs, right? Consent and all of that jazz. And I'm so glad I did because now something like this happened and I'm like, no, no hugs. (laughs) They kind of have that, at least that pause already before they immediately jump in there. So what what grade do you teach? Well, it changed. Uh, I was teaching K-5 to music with some grade three social, but given that uh, we're doing online learning, everybody who's a specialist like me has been reassigned because all that Alberta is focusing on is literacy and numeracy. So now I teach grade four LA and math. 
do you see any difference in the way the kids view environmental issues as opposed to people your own age? The thing, the thing that I find really interesting, my experience is entirely in the public system, but when I compare like when I was a kid learning about environmentalism to now how we learn about environmentalism, it's, it's changed, absolutely, and kids have a different awareness of it, right? There's just the assumption that we recycle in the classroom, and there's the assumption that we take our pop bottles in, and we turn our lights off, and we turn our computers off. Like, those things are all very run-of-the-mill standard. When I was teaching grade three social studies, we did a lot of current events. So when Greta came to Alberta, of course, these grade threes heard about, you know, their parents talking about it and their teachers talking about it. So even though this little, you know, tiny human might not know who Greta is, they still had this awareness. And especially being in Red Deer, right, it's a little bit more conservative. So they probably heard mixed things about her from the adults in their life. But I would say most kids that I teach would consider themselves like environmentalists and they care about nature and they care about the world and they want to do what they can in their own small way to make it better. And, and as soon as you like introduce a concept to a kid, they're going to process it and they're going to take it in and they're going to figure it out. So you talk about recycling mostly. Is there any other environmental issues that the kids learn about that they're aware of? Um, and again, it's, it's different grade to grade, but last year when I taught grade two, there's a whole unit about waste in our world and how is waste processed and managed and what does composting look like? What do um, landfills look like? How do recycling plants work? And there's all sorts of really cool field trips in Alberta that you can get to come to your classroom. And I, I remember learning this and I haven't looked it up since, but like something about like you can turn a certain type of like pop bottle into a fiber that can then be used to make shirts. It's like because it's plastic and you can turn it into like polyester. I'm like, that's like cool for kids to see. It is, but they also don't learn that the polyester clothes that are made are also causing microfibers in the waterways. Right. And I taught last year's we, we did it like a week on microplastics and the ocean and the great big garbage patch. That was interesting to do with grade two. And what, what were the kids' reaction to that? Given that they were grade two, they, you know, their, their brains don't put pieces together, you know, kind of in order quickly. They, they have to figure it out for themselves. So this idea of plastic that they can't see being in fish and then we eat the fish, you know, you just have to make it relatable for the kids. So, you know, what's, what's a point of reference that they can have so that was why I showed them like a picture of the, the moving garbage that's just insane so that they could have a visual on it. And then we also did a unit about the Inuit in Nunavut and thinking about, okay, people living off the land and people who rely on, you know, fish and whale as their main source of food all year and and trying to get the kids to make those connections between like our science class and our social class. It's, it's interesting. Some kids get it really quick and some kids take longer and they might need to wait until they're older to piece that together. Yeah. Whether or not it's in someone's own backyard, even right. Like if it's like, we're a landlocked province <laughs> thinking about the ocean. I mean, I eat a lot of fish. So. <laughs> I really wish that people 
took that sort of thing as seriously as COVID because it's tough, this is just right? normal. And everything changed so quickly. And yeah, there was a period where everyone was like, my life is ruined and I don't know how to survive the way the world is right now. But we adapted so quickly to the new normals. And now you walk down the street and you see someone else wearing a mask and you wave and you're just, you know, you walk around, but it's mutual and it's pleasant. It's just normal now. So I don't I understand think, why these warnings that scientists have been giving us for decades aren't registering with people on that level. I think it kind of goes back to what we were saying before about is it in your backyard? Is it affecting you personally? And and that's why because things are so drastic so quickly with COVID and because it it literally results in death that people react to it much more viscerally and much more quickly versus thinking, oh, you know, the ozone layer. Yeah. And it's like, but it's going to take years and decades. So it's just not as immediate. Yes. So where would you say is the most waste created within the school system? Like from your perspective, where would you say, hey, this is really wasteful? So there's there's a interesting little factoid that was in my email inbox today. As, you know, Albertans are talking about school and budget and all of these kind of things, the, the factoid that I got in my mailbox today was how much paper copies have been eliminated these last two months. Because normally in a year, we budget over 700 pieces of paper per child in photocopying. And as more and more teachers are now forced to be comfortable with digital learning and online learning, there's a real chance that there's an opportunity there to reduce photocopying next year and following years. Like there's, there's a couple teachers who like deliver some things to our kids. Like we delivered a, a game sheet that we put in a page protector so that they could basically create their own whiteboard. So you have like a piece of printer paper and then you can write on it on the page protector and it's erasable so that way we don't have to like photocopy and send home packages every week we could just be like hey play this on your at-home whiteboard so that's an improvement where do you feel that they're lacking where are they creating waste that could be eliminated i honestly haven't thought about it that much i'm trying to think about like all the aspects of school life obviously the the buildings themselves is a really um, big one. And, and you see anytime there's a new school build, how it's constructed and designed with 21st century techniques. So like my school building is decades old. So it's a lot harder to light and heat and get the water going and, you know, different rooms in different hallways or different temperatures. So I'm sure there's a lot to be said for the infrastructure being wasteful and, you know, again, this is years ago, but when I was in high school, we had talked about, well, what if we put solar panels on the roof of the high school? And 15 years ago or 10 years ago, that was like incredibly expensive. And we would have to do so many, you know, bake sales in order to like come up with the funds as a school. But so many bake sales. <laughs> well, I was, I was in grade 10. I didn't know how to raise money. <laughs> so, okay, let's go back to the original question here do you consider yourself an environmentalist you said yes yes why how do you find that so for me 
and I mean, this isn't really what your podcast is about, but as as someone who who grew up religious and is quite spiritual, I, I definitely feel a big connection to the earth and and that this is where we live and this is kind of our transient life and there are generations coming after us and that interconnectedness of it all. So I feel a lot of responsibility as like a steward of the earth. And that's that's something that my parents and my extended family kind of instilled in me as a kid, that idea of do your part and, and do what you can to make the world a better place in as many aspects as you can, whether that's person to person or like person to environment. So for me, being an environmentalist is being aware of my impact on the world and then also being aware of the different levels of society and how we're able to influence them you know who are we voting into office who are going to make policies about the environment and you know like there's there's big things and small things that we can do to have cleaner air and cleaner water and make sure that we're respecting land rights and making sure we're thinking of you know holding corporations accountable for the waste that they're creating and I know there was like a lot of talk especially when like the plastic straw thing happened last year that it's like oh I'm just one person it's like yeah but you can still do something like and like yes we should make corporations in my opinion do more right like I shouldn't have to like pick up the slack of a multinational (laughs) is there any one environmental issue that concerns you in particular this is this is where we get real. This is where we get political. Are you ready? I'm sitting down. Something that's really intense in our country right now and also something that I'm still learning about is the struggles with indigenous people and all of this talk about reconciliation and intense things happening in terms of especially like the pipeline. And I think that there's a really strong connection and and there's a lot to be said for human rights and how those are connected to environmental rights and that those things which are near and dear to my heart social justice warrior 100 percent, right here not you (laughs) what it's shocking right (laughs) (laughs) like even just talking about i can feel my like heart rate go up and like my my solar plexus clench thinking about how the the protests that happened on the rail line which i just think were amazing acts of canadian people having human decency so what would you say your relationship with weight looks like i think part of it is the fact that i'm an anxious person and i always feel like i could be doing more in in my professional life in my personal life in my waist so one one thing that has made me very happy and thankful and grateful moving to Red Deer is the fact that Red Deer has a compost system through the city and it's it's diverted so much from the landfill. Yeah, it's kind of amazing that the compost facility here just caved in on itself and then kind of dead in the water. We're supposed to be getting a new facility opening in July, although that may be delayed now with COVID. Classic. I personally take my compost to my coworker and she puts it in her huge compost for her huge garden in her yard. So we have like a compost sharing thing going on. That's that's so a weird back alley I, I deal. Do, um, yeah, but I mean, I don't have a yard. Not that I am a big gardener anyway. I prefer to pay other people to grow food and 
give it to me. <laughs> yeah, I just, I think yeah. it's hilarious that you have to like underhandedly like give your garbage to somebody else and give your compost to somebody else. Like <laughs> you're just doing all um, these things trying to make the world a better place, but you look like a criminal doing it. My tortillas from the farmer's market, which opened today and most of the booths had nobody in front of them. They were just sitting there looking really bored because the restrictions for letting people in were so high that no one could actually go buy things. So it's, I don't it's know just how too early, right? Be. Like those, those well, farmers markets really thrive on foot traffic. I mean, no one's done this before either, right? So they probably are like, oh yeah, this is how it's going to work. It'll be fine. And then in reality, when they actually do it, they're like, oh no, that didn't work because X. And then so you get the statistics of to 20 people attended the farmer's market and 10 of them contracted COVID-19. It's like, we don't want that. <laughs> but I don't know, like they only had restrictions to how many people could go down the main aisle. But really, if they open it up so the vendors could sell things on both sides, they could have three aisles instead of one because they get in the middle and both outside. What I'm hearing is, like, they need to consult Biz McKilligan. Right. We're going to run the world, man. We're going to run it. Although I was actually on the board for Farmer's Market for a few years. We also didn't have to deal with pandemics, so (laughs) (laughs) don't have any experience there. That's how I feel Um, about, like, being a first-year teacher and there's a flipping pandemic. And I'm like, yep, mm mm-hmm, totally prepared. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. Well, at least, you know, everything's easier from here. I'm honestly so, so thankful that I was able to keep working and that like my husband was able to continue going to post-secondary because our lives transitioned to home very easily. And that meant we were able to support other people in our lives. And that was like such a blessing. Yeah, I was very glad that I could continue working. Work's been crazy. It was actually peaceful today having the doors open. Um, it was weird. It was definitely different um, and probably would have appeared more stressful had we gone straight from regular life to today. But having gone through the last six weeks of being closed or whatever it's been, uh, it was like a breath of fresh air. Things were sort of normal. And it was just nice to see everyone being, everyone just excited. So uh, we digress yet again. Um, is there Anything that you feel you could improve upon when it comes to your impacts and habits? Something that I've, I've just, I would say in the last year, started to get more conscious about is what I'm purchasing. Um, and in terms of like, is this something that I can repair? Is this something I can repurpose? And and part of that absolutely comes from being friends with you and, and some of the things that you post. And I really think, oh yeah, I need to think twice about that. It's almost like I have made a difference somewhere, even if it's just a little bit. Listen, we, we do have friends who agree with us. It, it happens rarely, but it happens. So you have been more conscious about your buying habits. Yeah, and and I mean, I've always, <laughs> I've always had a struggle with buying clothing and really enjoy shopping for clothing. And my whole adult life, I have lived paycheck to paycheck. So I have to be really careful when I go shopping for clothes because, you know, I can't do it every month and, and I can't always buy, you know, six things when I go. So even as a kid, like my mom 
we would go back to school shopping and she'd be like, okay, you need one new pair of jeans and three new shirts. And I would try on, you know, six pairs of jeans and 20 shirts. I don't know. I'm exaggerating, but probably not that, that concept of like having a plan of like what you're going to buy and that's what you need. And, and that's again, kind of that anxiety that gets creeping in that like, I really like Starbucks (laughs) and that's, you know, we, we t- when we talk about waste, when we talk about cups, when we talk about reusable things, that was something that I was like, okay, if I'm getting Starbucks once a week and I'm ordering on the app, that's that's definitely creating waste. You can't order ahead and not get a cup. But it's it's that idea of what's convenient versus what's better, you know, what's good, what's right, what's easy, all of those kind of things. Um, not that I get Starbucks very often, but that was actually my first run in, I would say, with COVID affecting my life was the first time I went to go and get Starbucks and they were like, we will not take your cup. And I was like, why not? (laughs) What are you talking about? I mean, now that's just normal. But at the time, this was my first interaction where I was actually affected by COVID was that moment. And And, and let's just like pause for a second and be like, Thank goodness that was your first moment and not like going to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, right? Okay. Gratitude. <laughs> Privilege, gratitude, you know, they all they all come together. I find it fitting that um it had to do with waste. Was right. The very right. first impact. When I think about that too, I remember um early on going to the grocery store and I would save easily for the last five years, reusable bags have been very common in grocery stores. And I saw a sign and I was like, oh shit, like, am I not allowed to use my reusable bags? Fuck, that sucks. But then it was just like, you have to pack it yourself. And I'm like, oh, that's easy. Like, whatever. Like, (laughs) Yeah, I love that I go to a superstore and they just automatically assume you're going to bring your own bag and you have to ask for bags if you want them. And pay for them, bitches. I feel like that should just be the norm. Well, actually, I just feel like people should have to bring a bag or SOL. That's kind of more how I feel. But <laughs> You now have to carry every single egg one at a time to your car. Well, you can have the carton. <laughs> Although, All right, you're more generous than me. I get my eggs from the farmer's market and we bring back our cartons every week. So even our cartons get reused as much as possible before. Yeah, they it was... It was awesome when I started at the school that I'm at. There's one of our um, educational assistants has a connection to a farm. So just like farm fresh eggs would show up in our staff room. And I'd be like, who do I pay for these? And I could just like give a tenner to her and then I could have beautiful, delicious eggs. And yeah, exactly. I just like reuse the same cartons until one of the like eggs breaks in the carton and the carton's gross. Yeah, even the farmer's markets, everything is wrapped in plastic now. But my Apple guy pulls them out from a box from the back for me because he knows me and I make him blue bags. I just, I want to go back to talking about like purchasing choices for a second because I feel like I didn't finish that thought. When, when we live in a world where you can purchase things online and it ships to your door the next day, I definitely was like, this, this is something that I could very easily misuse and, and just purchase crap that I don't need. And not only does the stuff come to my house but then also the packaging with the stuff comes to my house and years ago I started listening to the minimalists podcast and that 
same kind of thing. Like I've, it's always kind of been in the back of my head because of my parents. When I would do that back to school shopping with my mom, it would always be, okay, we're going to also going to clean out your closet of like things that don't fit things that we can donate. And so that idea of donating clothes has just been my whole life. So as an adult kind of looking around my house and being like, how much of this stuff am I actually using? And admittedly, there are things that I only use once a year, but it was an expensive thing and I take care of it and I use it once a year. And, and it's hard sometimes to feel like, yeah, I'm not doing enough. Like I could minim- minimize even more, but you know, there's also right. another partner in my life and I have to kind of account for, oh yeah, the two of us create stuff and the two of us buy stuff. But if I am going to, you know, huck something or if he's going to huck something, let's take a look and see, okay, is this something we can donate or repurpose or give to a friend or what kind of can we do? Obviously, Matt and I have been together for a long time. And like, as we've grown up, I've also seen him kind of come to the dark side where you and I are, Biz, because he was also like (laughs) excited to compost and he was happy when we moved that we could like purge and donate and like get rid of stuff. And I was like, yes, he's on the team. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Adam, Adam is so good. It's not his thing. Uh, He's not really passionate about it, but he's very accommodating and willing to participate in all of these things for sure. And I think that's, that's just interesting phrasing, right? Like accommodating, accepting, you know, being passionate about, it's just, yeah, kind of the different levels that people engage with it. And even like I was watching a video with Matt about uh, an electric car and saying how, like, yeah, like in five years, I'd really like to buy an electric car. And of course, Matt's, Matt's an electrician. He, he works in trades. He's worked on coal sites he's worked on gas sites and he brings a a different perspective to it than i have because i haven't been to those places i don't know those people and so he we were talking about okay so the the electricity that's going into the car i'm like yeah like i know like there's issues that like you're just changing the what's powering the car but then as i like watched another video on it it was like oh yeah but then the car doesn't have emissions so yes like there's there it's kind of six of one half of another and that's those are the interesting like I don't want to call them debates they're just conversations that Matt and I have where we try and like figure out like I think something's really cool and flashy and environmental and he's like oh well like let's look at kind of the other factors I'm like okay those are cool I didn't think about those but let's also consider x and like you can just keep going back and forth and and especially when it's like a big purchase like that. Like obviously as a couple in five years, when we have to buy a car, it's going to be like, how much dough are we laying down on this thing? We are actually looking into an electric car, but they're just, they're just not feasible because we only want one car for the two of us. It's absolutely bonkers to have two cars for us. It just doesn't make sense. Like I walk work as much as I can. So we basically just use the car when we need to go beyond our general vicinity that we kind of keep to for the most part how long Um, is your walk to work just under an hour and and are you like a hardcore year-round walker well I'm kind of a pansy when it comes to the cold not before I had a car I walked to work every day no matter what and I just did it I bundled up so I mean I I do opt for the bus before the car most of the time but I, I'm not perfect. And I do have my days. Where I'm what? Like, 
um, especially since a lot of the time, you know, beforehand or after work, you have to go do something else. It's easy to throw in that excuse to, to choose the car. Yeah. And it's, it's different too for me, like moving to a smaller city, like before when I was driving to university or driving to my practicum, it was like a half an hour drive. It wasn't just an, it wasn't an option to walk in, in terms of like my life and my schedule and I'm not a morning person. <laughs> so now that I am like a five minute drive away from my school, if I was still going to the physical school, this would be the time <laughs> of year to bike. This would be the time of year to walk. But like I literally in March made like a list of like, this is when I get up in the morning, what I'm supposed to do because I just don't function. So I needed a list to remind me every morning. And at the bottom of the list was start the car because I just, yeah, it's, it's cold where we live and I yeah. don't want to yeah. get into a cold car. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Balance, right? Um, we are looking into a smaller, if not, well, we were looking into electric, but it's just not feasible. Uh, if we ever want to leave the city, it, it just wouldn't work. So we're now looking into hybrid, but at the very least, a right. smaller car, something right. that's going to pollute less. Now, that being said, electric cars, even charged with coal or gas electricity, are better for CO2 emissions than a gasoline-fueled car. Right. Not by as much as people, they're like, I have an electric car, I'm saving the world, but they're still fueling it with gas or coal electricity. It's not that much better, but it is better. People lose sight. They're like, well, I have this gasoline car and I want to do better for the environment. So I'm going to go buy a brand new electric car. Mm. Well, no, you have a vehicle that works buying a new car <laughs> created a whole bunch of CO2 emissions from the manufacturing process. <laughs> so, I mean, the greenest choice is almost always the one you already have, thing that already exists, not creating something new. But And I mean, I think too, like there's going to be a day where solar gets more affordable and more common. And yes, it's a struggle on our particular latitude, but like if you could if you could have an electric car and fuel it with solar power, like wouldn't that be great? Yeah, there are actually charging stations in the city that are renewable powered. And like really how many Teslas are in Alberta? Come on, let's let's be real. I don't know. There's one that parks outside my work all the time. Is it shiny? No Very shiny. There's no handles. There's just like a place that's shiny where a handle would be, but it's flat. <laughs> like I don't know how the this future, works. <laughs> the future is here. The robots are here. Years ago, you used to be a fanboy of Elon Musk. I know my opinion of him has changed. Well, I mean, I was a little bit torn when he just polluted outer space with a car, but <laughs> and just some of the stuff he said in the last two weeks, I'm like, what? What? Oh, I haven't, I haven't been in the know on Elon Musk. In I'm telling recently. you, the Twitter, it's, it's a dying platform, but I like it. I, I don't really feel like you need to spend more time on social media. That's For true. that matter, I don't really feel like you need to spend more time on social media. <laughs> I don't have Snapchat and I don't have TikTok, so whatever. But at the end of the day, you're right. I probably don't need to be on more social media, no matter how <laughs> much the kids send and 
like you were saying, like the stuff that your nephew might post might not be the most scintillating. So my brain probably could use a break. Do you give yourself breaks? Like, do you set time aside to not to disconnect? Hell yes. I learned that lesson probably three years ago. It was it was a, a few different things transitioning, but my mental health super connected to that. I've seen a few different therapists over the years, but one of the other big things is like, how is this technology interfering in my relationship? And my husband and I would watch anime and it'd be, you know, 8, 9 p.m. And I would be answering emails, but you can't answer emails and read the subtitles. So he's like, you need yeah. to stop answering emails. And I'm like, dang, you're right. I should put up boundaries around my professional life. It's overwhelming. It's too much. And especially because now, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be hypothetically on from 8.30 to 3.30 with a lunch break on a device with kids. And it's, it's sustained screen time and it's sustained high mental effort. And so this has absolutely this transition to online learning has made my my breaks and and my technology consumption very very different and the best thing about the place that we've moved to is that there's a big deck and a big yard so i can just shut all the devices off turn all the lights out and just go outside on the deck yeah i mean the technology is great because we're able to connect with people when we otherwise couldn't but as long as you still get that disconnect and i get balance and and i think you and i have talked too about the the extrovert versus introvert uh, ambivert all those words i just know the three but for me because i'm on all day and i get so much person to person interaction throughout the work day that i need those breaks so that i can re-energize and there are some things i do that are social that give me energy right like like playing dnd online with friends that gives me energy um having you know game nights with four people you know as long as the group's small enough it's good for me but i do need introvert time for sure I hear you. I mean, I'm an extrovert, so I'm kind of having the opposite problem. I'm kind of like, I need my people. I need, I'm so glad that I'm still working because I think I would have gone insane more than I already have. Anyway, uh, thanks so much for joining me today, Kelly. Um, This was such a great conversation, Biz. Lots of insight into schools and some environmental issues that really aren't my priority. Um, So that was awesome to hear. Thank you. We will talk soon. Love you. Love you too. That was Kelly Henry, and this is Becoming Less. You can find me on Instagram, where I post lots of ideas for waste reduction at Becoming Less Pod, all one word. You can now find my podcast on Google Podcasts, iTunes, and Spotify. But you're already listening, so just do whatever you did this time. Again, make sure you give a rating and subscribe, and maybe even donate by the link in the notes. Funds will go towards waste reduction efforts within my city of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Thank you all so much for listening. Each day, we can be a little less than we were yesterday.